good people. Just a quick heads up on this episode here. We're going to rush right into the sponsored segment so we can really flesh this thing out. We're going to expand a bit on the workplace series, just kind of shake up the skeleton of it all, the structure, and it really touches on that unrighteous silence that we've often leave unspoken. We shout loudly, issuing platitudes of passion on ideologies while abdicating our humanity to the realm of silence. And pray tell, how is that righteous? Let's get on with the show, people. Hey, hey, good people. Episode 21 has in since Burns, and I am your humble host, Sean P. Wrights. And good people, let, let me tell you this. I've been equal parts humbled and honored and, and rendered speechless numerous times since uh, episode 20. And it's I, I apologize for the delay, but I've just been unpacking it. And this is something that I'll be expanding on now and just going forward and in, in, in this podcast, because this is something that we really have to come to terms with. And that that vile spirit of imposter syndrome and nowadays understanding that we're really that we really have to be cognizant that we're here on borrowed time, that we're going to be gone from this place a lot longer than we are here. And imposter syndrome, it has that that effect of blinding us of our vision of our power. And that's something that I had to come to terms with because my words have inspired a lot of you out there and I ran from that and I I pushed back against that but we often confuse quantity with quality we get caught up in this whole algorithm of likes and this is something that I've expanded on before in an earlier episode but I wanted to pick up where I left off in episode 20 because somebody also reached out to me and they told me that I touched a a chord with them and they left their job. Not so much from from my words, but that I touched a chord and it was just like, hey, this was a epiphany, a little synchronicity and that was just the push I needed. From my lips to God's ears, It's funny how these type of things work, but I bring that up to to say that when we devalue our, our, our power and our impact, we're cheating a whole lot of other people other than ourselves. And this is something that I mentioned, something that I realized and something I think a lot of people are coming to coming to terms with is that this whole great resignation, these people leaving these workspaces in mass is that people are realizing that they've been living in a box for the longest time 
And that was something that I that I touched on in my second book. And this was one of the epiphanies that I had when I began writing the second book, because I was we were in the midst of a, a pandemic. And even though I knew better, I found myself trying to conform, trying to fit into a box and trying to get a organization to love me. In some strange, twisted way, that's that's sort of the process that we go through in this the whole interviewing process we're trying to get someone to like us we're trying to fill a a job role to give us purpose but if we don't know what our purpose is we're free to be imprinted with another one and that's that whole concept of the box that I keep returning to and this is something that echo because it's a it's a funny thing as well I've, I've written two books and an interesting side note and many writer many a writer will tell you this we don't read our own stuff we may read bits and pieces of it but a lot of times we we write it and we send it to the world and uh sometimes people encounter us on the street there's been a couple of instances where people have come up to me and they've quoted something that I've said that I've written word for word and I've sat there blank stare before it registered oh but the power in, in, in that is that it echoes and it kind of reminds us not kind of it actually reminds us of those things that have been imprinted or one of those buoys in the in the sea that reminds us not to go past this point or this is the way home a lighthouse of sorts but in, in part two of my book in the opening I said this in the year 2020 COVID descended on a world already in the midst of its longest pandemic. That pandemic being man's inhumanity towards man. I found myself wandering the trails of my consciousness trying to make sense of a gnawing hole in my soul. The passing of my father in the winter of 2018 left me tumbling, trying to make sense of a world without him in it. The loss of my father, who inspired the first volume in this collection, was compounded by the passing of my great uncle and my grandmother, all within the course of a year. These three souls, who I refer to as my trinity, were instrumental in one of the greatest undertakings of my life. The ongoing effort to trace my family tree, which at the time of this writing, spans more than two centuries. So, along with a broken heart, I was forced with billions of other souls on this planet to retreat within. And there, I had to face a myriad of inconvenient truths. Being compelled to be still against our will and kept under lock and seal taught me about 
a lot a lot about myself and especially about other folk the most important lesson that the biggest hypocrite that we know is often looking back at us in the mirror I had to accept that God doesn't have to shout because whispering is enough. I had to understand that being still was a gift and it was something that I welcomed as I stood on the water's edge, sometimes giving it an offering of my tears. The poems in volume two will expand on the contradictions of our humanity with themes on the power of family, the alchemy of black folk against the assorted frequencies of injustice, the spirit of racism in the realm of the political, the corresponding rumblings, protests, and disaffection juxtaposed with echoes of love in the esoteric. Like volume one, the gamut of emotions will fluctuate from melancholy, anger, introspection, to the realities of joy and pain with the pandemic serving as a surreal soundtrack of sorts but suffused within each piece is the certainty of triumph figured a hard pause in between that would be fitting and it would be appropriate for me to kind of delve into a little bit or some of the pieces in part three because this was part of my fuel and composing these because Sometimes that vile spirit of imposter syndrome intersects with that vile spirit of of racism. And this is something that is part and parcel of being a black person here in America. And the thing that is disconcerting to many is that now these stories which are not new. These stories have always been told. They've always been spoken of. They've always been understood. But now, the shouts are too loud to ignore. And this was something I touched on in a piece in part three called That Tempestuous Spirit. What if racism, that vile and tempestuous spirit, made the jump from the hearts, minds, and institutional by way of the esoteric into the physical, impacting the masses, body, soul, and spirit? omnipresent struggle to understand the unspoken of black and brown people in America disproportionately smoke 
and focus lost as Chicken Little is the head of state. A ruler not inclined to humility, never one to give alms or say grace, soullessly holding the levers of power, unconcerned with the needs of many, but wholly occupied with pushing the narrative that the sky is not falling and the empire does not burn. Now, one of the things that I was always cognizant of growing up in Chicago in the age of Reaganomics and when Harold Washington bucked the system and became the mayor of Chicago I was always cognizant of the skin that I was in that somehow it was there was this attempt to, for it to be construed but luckily for me or thankfully for me I had so many examples of, of the power of this fortitude this this strength that never allowed anything like that to take to take root but the infrastructure was was there and during the pandemic as I mentioned we were for the longest time it seemed that we were under lock and key in our homes under siege and then we saw we saw the foundation cracking or actually this is something that this is something that that black people and I'm speaking from experience and this is something that my elders spoke of as well this is something that was always discussed that this that the foundations were cracked and now given that we were all the world collectively was under lock and key we couldn't turn our gaze from it we were forced to confront it and that's what led to this 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 seismic shift, this pushback towards our humanity, which kind of gives me, and I say kinda, I said it gives me faith because we couldn't run from it. And what we're facing now is a lot of people want, they don't want to face the reality of the duality that allowed many of the things that we take for granted today 
that's probably a whole other episode, but I just wanted to plant a seed, but this piece here, this is always a crowd favorite, and they always repeat the refrain in this piece, but if you have my second book from the Water's Edge, volume two, it's on page 123. Go figure. I didn't plan that. But on cracked foundations. They say, fuck the system. The sycophants, her minions, and the hordes of the feeble-minded who collude drain the souls of the willing eschewing the presence while commodifying their essence they say fuck the system and the dispersal of generational curses that testify to those black bodies fed to the leviathan of duality souls crying out against the contradiction lofty words enveloped in swirthy intentions echoing with the force of its own hypocrisy as it breaks the damn fallacies they say fuck the system as Jericho shouts back on crack foundations while the siren songs of the disaffected mandates from the ancients and those sent home too soon they say fuck the system infusing power from unlikely alliances, an imposing kaleidoscope of righteous indignation, warring ideas of hope versus skepticism, wondering if bent knees will give birth to a justice long denied. Has it gathered, wait with bated breath trumpets to sound, not knowing who will fall. We have to circle back to that, right? Which way is up? history repeating the whole concept of leadership and advocacy and what I mentioned in episode 20 performative allyship we don't know if lip service is sincerity or vice versa was something that 
something that I expanded on in a piece called Of Horns and Smiles. I'll let you unpack it. I won't speak for you, but the only power wielded by the lost is their ability to deflect, distract, and conquer. They thrive in the forest of chaos. That infinite source of sustenance. Because the devil will never show you his or her horns. They will show you their teeth. They leave with a smile lulling you into a false sense of complacency and that is the vantage point from which they will wage their assault on your shores harboring hope that no one is manning the lighthouse metaphor maybe but when I wrote that I remember thinking of of a seed that my Aunt Lillian planted she had leaned in on me and she told me she said nephew you're gonna find out that them folk that's smiling at you the most are the ones that's loving you the least She used to always drop little gems like that on me and they would they would always lean in on me when they told me as if they were burning that message into my soul so that I would return to it as a as a bookmark of sorts. That's how that's how this genealogy machine, this brain of mine works. And how I've been able to pull together these disparate stories of family history and in that process in their faces I found myself and that was one of the most redemptive things in the process outside of finding breaking bread and communing with family members all over the planet especially before the pandemic the, the good old days just seeing how cohesive that is and how things echo from the historic record still ringing true today that really changed me in so many different ways softened a hard heart restored the confines of my faith and just really served to, to show one of those oldest mandates from, from my father that it's not all about you. It's bigger than you. And these are those lessons that we're coming to grips with in this pandemic. Is that we won't find us within the confines of a corporate manual we're greater than a nine to five 
than a five-day work week. The quicksand that drains us of a lot of our creative energy and it's and that was something that that's something that echoes with people that's something that they return to a lot in the past couple of episodes and I'll keep expanding on that but let me leave you with this there's this piece that I wrote and you'll find and if you haven't done so already, I live over at SeanPWrites.com. Just click the link on the, on the podcast. It'll take you over to my, my section of the internet, my real estate. And you can catch me on Instagram as well under Sean P. Wrights and Again, I'm very reserved. You're not going to see me out there uh, dancing or anything of that sort. That's that's an impossibility. But the workplace, it's often talked about, has a quicksand of sorts. And this is, I guess this is what inspired this piece called The Quicksands. This is something that's unreleased. Um, and I thought about that as it pertained to the workplace. Ironically, I called it the quicksand. So we are the audience to the waters, tender and encores for nary and applause, standing for nothing on foundations erected on sand that will never stand. And it's like I mentioned before, many writers, we we don't read our own shit. And when we come back to it years later or months later or however later, usually there's something that echoes because it takes us back to the origin point of when that was created and it speaks to a lot of the power that we waste in these toxic places these workplaces these corporate monoliths we give away a portion of our humanity in exchange for something whether it's wages a benefit package we give away some notion some element of our humanity to conform and sometimes and I know that I did early on and this is something that re- people are really coming to terms with. The, the pandemic forced people's hands is that we realized that we were manifesting the wrong thing and underestimating our power. Sometimes we manifest and we, we aspire to 
a position, a a title, a role within the confines of a, a organization or something that really has no worth for the for us other than being a shiny button. And when we get it, it's just hollow. And we realize that we were using our power for the wrong thing. And then we have to start all over again. We have to redefine ourselves. And that's what the pandemic, that's if we're to take anything from it, that should be the the one thing that we take from it is that it's like a broken bone. And I've never had a broken bone, so I can't speak from experience, but I've seen a lot of broken bones. In layman's terms, the bone needs to be still, needs to be immobilized needs to be held in position so it can heal and that's what a lot of us was forced to do or still are going through the process of during this pandemic and these aftershocks of it because once this is over it doesn't mean that that this is over a lot of people have had a hard time coming to grips with the whole gravity of being alone and that's not necessarily a bad thing and that alone usually or it can lead to you finding yourself because we come into this world alone unless we're twins Shout out to the twins in my family, little cousins. All 12 sets of you. Sidebar on another episode of the podcast, we'll do something on genealogy, but just having the audacity to walk into was stored up for us and I'll leave you with this piece it's uh I wrote this late last year actually and many of the pieces on SeanPWrites.com they have you'll see a lot of themes with water on the book cover you see me on two bodies of water first book is the Potomac the second book is the standing on the Susquehanna but that's where I usually get my downloads that's where I find my center my peace and I generate a lot of literary energy if you will from these venues but this piece the claim this is the epiphany just the it it really I think it really embodies what I've heard from a lot of people and what we hear and the stories about why people are leaving the workplace, why people are expanding on these aspirations and these dreams and making them reality. 
versus pushing it off until later. Oh, I'll do it after I retire from this place. I'll be young enough to do it. And oh, I'll just do it later. We realize now, or it's more acute. We're more acutely aware of our own mortality with COVID that we see the urgency of now. So this piece, the claim, echoes that the audacity of consequence to walk on to the horizons to claim that which is stored up for us. Lo and behold, that which is always on the cusp, us. Hey, so let that sink in, people. It's life is a process. Be, be undeterred. Push back against the box because it's there's no air in the box. They mean you harm. And just because there's a nice couch in the in the sunken place doesn't mean that we have to grace it with our presence. That's all I got for you in episode 21. But we're going to keep expanding on that. And I think in episode 22, I I think it's time to go back into the genealogy uh, story, Ben, because it's a lot of traction on those. And it's it leads to a whole nother ball of wax. And I think I may need to leave a teaser episode for you before we go. But I appreciate you hanging out here. And I am your humble host, Sean P. Wrights. We're here as the incense burns.